This is a Brain Tools Tools episode, a 20-minute cutback version of our full podcast where you walk away with six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you want more of the neuroscience and research behind the tools, you can find the full version of this episode on Spotify, iTunes, and at the link below. But for now, it's time to get your six brain tools. Alrighty team, now we get to everyone's favorite uh, section, which is all about implementation. Let's get some real practical things that you can use literally after this particular uh, podcast you listen to, um, to make your life a lot better with obviously this idea of well-being. And the context I want to provide here, um, which Sam and I are going to delve into in actually heaps of detail in the next couple of episodes, is this whole idea of neuroplasticity. Um, and all the tips that yeah. we're giving you right now um, comes from this idea of neuroplasticity, very simply the brain can, brain can change itself. And that's a really yeah. important thing to remember because remember structure linked to function. If you change the structure, you change the function. And the key thing to remember about this is um, if we are able to put things in place, habits and actions, the feedback loop it has to the brain is super, super important in changing it um, over a period of time as we spoke about. And so, um, Sammy, I'm going to go to you as we always do, play a little bit of uh, tennis uh, with you. Three uh, clear t- uh, implementations for you. What's your first one for uh, for the audience? Super excited. Uh, picked up the rally. And my first one, <laughs> rally over the net. You can't see me at home, but I just rallied to Kieran. The number one thing for well-being, for protecting your well-being that you can do right away today is a daily gratitude practice. And like you've probably heard about this, listeners at home, because it's espoused almost everywhere. Everyone talks about it, but this is one way to look at it. Write down three things you're grateful for every day for 21 days in a row. And they actually did some research around this, writing down something you're grateful for uh, every day for 21 days in a row, significantly increased levels of optimism, which held for six months. So 21 days practice, six months of benefits. And it's crazy. Like that's crazy to me that such little practice can have such massive benefits. And here's what actually happens, right? When you practice gratitude, you are wiring into your brain an optimism bias. By being thankful and grateful for the things in your life, you're teaching your brain to look out for opportunities to be thankful and grateful for things. So by practicing it every day, your brain is learning to become optimistic by looking for for things that are happening in your life that it's appreciative of, which is really crazy. And they even did um, some research looking at the, the pathways of this as well, the neural pathways. And what happened is people who practiced gratitude that the pathways associated with gratitude um especially specifically in the reward center of the brain imagined they, they grew they grew That's you crazy. grow your That's brain you, you grow your ability to be optimistic just through amazing. a daily gratitude practice and it's, it's like so it's so small it's it's so 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 small right all you have to do is each morning you wake up or night just write down a few things you're grateful for and reflect on them. Um, and the research would suggest, you know, 21 days as kind of the barometer, but the more you practice it, the better you're going to strengthen that gratitude skill. Yeah. And I love that idea of the challenge, mate. I think that's something we're going to get the listeners involved. We'll probably end up choosing about sort of 10, 20 people do a, a gratitude challenge for, you know, 21, 30 days um, within the community, which would be amazing to do. I don't know what you think, but I'd be so keen to do that. I'd be, I'd be super, super keen to do that. I like, I mean, aside from sleep, gratitude is the one thing that comes up 
often in the research with many neuroscientists saying like day to day, it couldn't be clearer what you should do to improve your well-being, and it's just cultivate gratitude. Like yeah, the, the effects are profound and long lasting. But Sammy, can I ask you just uh, off yeah. the cuff? Um, yeah. well, to, let's get, uh, let's practice this right now. Can I ask what's one thing you're grateful for out of interest right now? Uh, Kieran, I'm, I'm really grateful for this podcast. I'm, I'm oh, grateful for shucks. Kieran. Shucks. I'm also grateful for these new microphones, which listeners, <laughs> if you hear this, hopefully sound crisp and beautiful. Um, so very grateful for that. What about you, Kieran? What are you, what are three things you're grateful for? Mate, right back at you. I think the fact that we're even just doing this conversation is pretty amazing. Like, I know, like we're just doing, we're on episode two and we've obviously got heaps and heaps in the pipeline, which is really exciting, but just doing this and learning on the go is pretty awesome. And I think that's what I'm massively grateful for is the fact that we get to learn. Like we're learning right now stuff that we didn't even know we knew um, from each other, which I think is awesome. And then being able to share it with the listeners um, is, is pretty cool, mate, if I can be honest with you. Um, please be honest with me. I love it. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, and for listeners, just to wrap it, wrap that up, daily gratitude practice. That's my first brain tool. Uh, over to you, Kieran. I know you've got some really fascinating ones to share. Yeah. So my, my first one uh, is first and foremost, understanding uh, the difference between the symptoms and the cause. And what I mean by that is I think everyone has uh, a unique set of stress symptoms. And what I would coin this as is when you have a, something that stresses you out. So let's just say, again, you lose a job or uh, someone makes you angry. There's obviously that emotional and visceral response that occurs. But particularly when it comes to chronic stress, there are really clear patterns of behavior that, that humans uh, indulge in, which is some are like a loss of appetite. Some people can't sleep. Some people can't focus. Some people lose motivation. And so the question I pose to all the listeners right here, right now, what are your symptoms of stress? When you get stressed, what actually does that look like? If imagine if you were painting me a picture now to share with all the listeners, when I get stressed, I lose all motivation. I really struggle to sleep. Like I will like literally toss and turn, which is obviously timely given um, episode one, we talked about the idea of breathing exercises and meditation and things like that as well. Um, but, but also I go, I become a loner. Like I literally isolate myself. I don't like to be around people. And so I think the moment you can understand and have a degree of self-awareness as to what stress looks like for you, um, is the moment you are able then to actually tackle the stress and understand what might be causing that stress. And so that's my really sort of hopefully practical idea is let's understand what are your stress symptoms, how to do that. So I mean, I'll, I'll put this over to you in a second is why we've actually together, Sam and I created a bit of a checklist for you, which we're going to put into uh, the show notes as well um, around stress symptoms. But what we actually recommend is complete that stress checklist, have a bit of a self-reflection piece of five to 10 minutes and be like, Hey, what does my stress actually look like? And what I'd also do is ask your family and friends, um, I asked yeah. my mum and dad the other day, I was because um, I've been speaking to them a fair bit recently, given all that COVID-19. I said, hey, mum, dad, when I get stressed, what do I normally do? And it was really revealing. Like, it's like basically having a mirror to you. And they said, Kieran, you become the nightmare. <laughs> you are the worst person to be around. But Ouch. I didn't I didn't actually, I know, Ouch. burn, literally just roasting yeah. me. But they, they mentioned, Ugh. they noticed, they noticed this loss of appetite. And I'm a diabetic, right? So I need yeah. to be mindful of it. But I just literally wouldn't go to the pantry. And I think having that idea of a mirror and speaking to your friends about what your stress symptoms could be is really useful. And then finally, Sam, I know that on your wall on your left-hand side, you've got reminders um, of things that you want to achieve this year. In the same vein, if it's in front of you, you're more likely to pay attention to it. Once you've understood what your stress symptoms might be, put reminders up yep. in your workspaces. Not saying, yep. I am stressed when I do this, but just say, hey, pose it as a question. Put there, am I eating enough? 
or am I feeling a low motivation? Just these mental cues, reminders, and questions increase the probability of you recognizing that you are stressed and being able to zoom out and say, hey, I might need to do something about it. So I wrap that up by saying, understand your stress symptoms and do that self-reflection so that you can solve, um, solve what those stress are, what might, what might be causing that stress. I love it. I love it. Understand your cues, so to speak, which links really well to your next one, but we won't talk about that just yet because that's coming up. I, um, <laughs> I actually have a, a, a brain mentor who's teaching me some things about neuroscience. And one of the things he does is he prints out a poster of these five triggers for the amygdala and just puts the words on the wall in big font. So he's got entrapment, concern, uh, fear, uncertainty, uh, and one other. And he just looks at it every day. And he knows if he's feeling any of those things, if those things are happening in, in what he's doing, then that's a sign that he's going to be triggering stress. So maybe that's one way to do it. Great. That's a great one, Kieran. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Try my best yeah, here. I, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that. Figure out when, you, when you're stressed. It sounds simple. Simple, hopefully effective. I'll pass to you for your second one. Oh, excited. Beautiful. My second one is about well-being over time. And I'm going to give it to you like this. Learn how to become more like a little kid. And you think about little kids, right? Mm. I think about my nephew, Will, who's two years old. His well-being is pretty good for the better part. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He's, he's hilarious, he's outgoing, gregarious, this lovely little kid, but he's not sitting around being stressed all day. Um, and that's because little kids do these three things which have, have been proven to benefit uh, well-being in the long run. Uh, and I'll run through those really quickly. First thing little kids do is they do things that get them into their body more frequently. And so the one I would recommend is walk around and touch things. Because what actually happens is when you get into your body, you effectively get out of your mind. So as you're walking around, and the way I do it is I take my shoes off and just walk outside. As you're walking around, as you're touching things, you change resources in the brain and shift them to sensory focuses. So it moves to the different parts of the brain, the parietal lobe, the temporal lobe, occipital lobe, and you really focus on those senses. senses. And so the resources for the, the fear response have been pulled away. And so you naturally start to calm down a little bit because your brain is literally pulling away um, its energy from that emotional fear response. So number one, do things that get you in your body. Number two, play. Play. Such a good point, mate. Play. Learn to have fun, play. right? Learn to have play. fun, right? I, I think adults suck at this. I think teenagers are okay at this and kids are pretty great at this but it comes down to the fact that the, the brain loves social interaction engagement and it likes to do things that are pleasurable and things that reward it in ways that aren't you know overly complicated so doing things where you can take some time away from your screen getting into your body like a little kid does but then playing and bring you joys will flood your brain with a whole bunch of different neurotransmitters which promote well-being. We're talking, you know, epinephrine, serotonin, uh, if it's with another person, oxytocin. All these things are neuroprotective and they are also really, really beneficial for your overall well-being. Um, they have the, all these beneficial effects on, on the way you process information. So just playing is the second part. And the third part of learning to become like a little kid, uh, 
is a media diet. You think about little kids and how much news they watch and it's almost zero. It's almost zero, right? I've never seen a little kid sit down and watch the six o'clock every night. So reducing your news intake by 10 to 15 minutes a day um, to 10 to 15 minutes a day, my apologies, reduces those stressful inputs. And you, you protect well-being by reducing the amount of negativity coming in. So that's my, my second brain tool is learn to become like a little kid, get in your body, play daily, and, and don't watch as much news. Be like a little kid. I love it, mate. I think that's super practical as well because it's almost at that idea, right? Like I'm not, I'm not having a crack at people who do this because we all use it sometimes, but sometimes we just take life too seriously. Um, yeah. and, and having that idea, that mixture of, you know, ha- having some fun and, and playing becomes really, really important. Um, and I love that whole idea of being a little kid. Like just, you see, you see it, match and mirror a little kid. Yep, that's it, right? Just go do things that, I mean, if like we all took out five minutes a day to act like a little kid, we'd probably all feel a lot better. I love it. That is so good. What, uh, what's your next one? I know we alluded to it before, but uh, what have you got? Uh, so, Sammy, my, a question for you, if I can ask. Yeah. Have you read uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg? I, I have read bits of it. I won't lie to you. I've only read. <laughs> you sound like I'm about to punish you. I'm not going to punish you. But what I will ask, I'm sure listeners may or may not have heard this Pulitzer Prize winner Charles Duhigg to going in and doing a bit of a deep dive into the power of habit. Um, the premise of the book yeah. basically being that we are a collection. We are what we do. And therefore excellence is uh, uh, a habit, not necessarily an act uh, to quote William Durant. Mm. My question for you then becomes, have you heard of keystone habits by any chance? I haven't, Kieran. Please uh, enlighten me. I'm ready. Okay. So Keystone Habits, basically, in the book, uh, and I really resonate with this, is that Charles basically says that there are one or two habits. Again, we always uh, apply the Pareto's principle. Those one or two habits that are responsible for getting all your other habits right. And that's what we call the Keystone Habit. So for many people, that could be exercise. If you get exercise right, you end up eating better. You end up uh, actually spending more time with your family. You end up doing... Uh, this uh, all the positive sort of routines that lead to more positive emotion uh, in your life. And so my sort of number two, if you will, for people that are listening is asking you the question, what is your keystone habit? What is your keystone habit that if you get right, all other things, generally speaking, take place to itself. And it is literally like a power law distribution. And what I mean by that is that one thing will be responsible for 10, 11 other things that you do. And I've got four really key ones that I want to sort of zero down. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we're actually going to have individual episodes for each of these things to help you out with it. Yeah. But they're four. Sammy, if I can share these four with you. Go on. What four have you the got? first one, exercise. Now, exercise, we've gone and spoke about it to death uh, in sleep where exercise and Sam, was Sam, one of Sam's tips where he said, exercising in the morning, getting that sunlight can be really important to getting a good night's sleep. But aerobic exercise has been shown to increase or change the serotonin, serotonin sort of circuits in your brain, which are always at the end of aerobic exercise. You always feel that like nice sort of clear head. Uh, I don't know about oh, you, yeah. Sammy, but that's definitely for me why I've become, yeah, runner's high. That's exactly what it mm-hmm. is, spot on. Um, and that aerobic exercise becomes really important. So my question is, is that your keystone habit? If it is, if you get that right, does everything else follow through? And just for context, when we were doing our research, Sammy and I, the one that was really researched into well-being was exercise. Like legitimately from a physical, like the physical and mental um, relationship between exercise becomes really, really important. And I think that's not news to anyone, uh, but a really, really key one. 
The second one, mindfulness meditation. Now, um, this was also one of the, probably the second most popular thing that was researched and a lot of research going into the idea that focused attention on the breath increases gray matter in the prefrontal cortex. Remember the CEO, getting the CEO right? Really responsible for yeah. a lot of emotional regulation and how you actually are able to do that. Mindfulness meditation is really interesting. Um, and Sammy, I don't know if I ever told you this, but for context, I did um, uh, sort of a little mini thesis on um, brain games, brain training games, like Lumosity and stuff. And Ooh, what we basically found, yeah, what we found is the research showed that you got good at the task itself, but that wasn't allowing to transfer into other aspects of your life. But in meditation yeah. or mindfulness, there is a bunch of growing research that shows there are far transfer effects of meditation, particularly when it comes to your attention. That focusing on your breath can have far transfer effects on your attention in any task that you actually look at, which becomes a really yeah. interesting thing that we're going to have a whole episode about, I think in about eight or nine times. Yeah, I love it. That's so powerful. You're totally right. You're totally right. And that actually is going to allude to my last point. So like keystone habits, exercise, meditation, mindfulness, anything else? Yeah, mate. My last two, not going to go in much detail. Diet. Think about yep. the idea of a relationship between uh, your gut and your brain uh, and probiotics that you should take. And then being in nature. Um, they did a study in the, um, in the UK, 120 minutes a week in short bursts, just going outside. Um, was shown to improve well-being, uh, self-reported, so mind the limitation, but uh, in these people, but the sample size was 20,000 people. So being in nature, going for walks, getting outside um, is really, really important. Um, and that wraps up my reviewing your keystone habits. Find it, double down nice. on it, do everything you can to get it done and yeah. everything else will follow through. Get that one habit, that one keystone habit. Love it. That's super powerful. And I never thought about it like that. And you alluded to what my last one is. And this is about well-being in the moment. We all have those moments. Listeners, you've probably had these moments yourselves. Uh, when you just get really stressed, hyper-stressed, a whole bunch of negative things goes wrong and you fall down the hole of rumination. Uh, my friend used to say, call it spiraling. You spiral down this negativity hole and you just keep circling and circling. Yeah, you had that happen? Had that happen? I've had that happen a couple of I've times. I've had oh, rumination, absolutely. All the time. Um, and the, the one thing you can do, and the one brain tool, brain tool I want to give you for this is uh, deep breathing. Like, I know people say take a breath, but I'm going to give you a specific breathing technique used by Navy SEALs called the box breath. Ooh, hello. And it's really specific. Breathe in for four seconds. Hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and hold for four seconds. And you keep repeating that. So it's a box, a four seconds box. Why is breathing the number one thing that I would recommend for the in the moment? Because when you breathe in deeply and exhale slowly, there's an emphasis on exhaling, you actually stimulate the vagus nerve, which is runs from your stomach to your brain. It's basically like a wire signal, which has this gut brain connection. And what it does is when you breathe in slowly, it, 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 it turns your stress response off because it's a, a bit like this. Your, your sympathetic, sympathetic nervous system um, gets turned off for the parasympathetic. Uh, it's like this, right? If when we were evolving, if you were breathing deeply in the wild, there's almost 0% chance you were being chased by a predator. So this deep breath response is wired into us as a way of telling the brain, hey, it's all good. We're breathing deeply. <laughs> we're, we're relaxing. And so there has been a, a slew. I'm, I'm joking about this. 
uh, but there has been a slew of research around this vagal nerve stimulation from deep breathing, like instantly, almost instantly decreasing cortisol secretion, which is the stress hormone, and bringing about a sense of calm. And that's why they say, you know, take a breath. They take a breath and mean it. So my last brain tool, super practical. Try the box breath. If you're really stressed out, just sit there and breathe. Four in, hold for four, four out, hold for four. And just keep doing that until your brain switches from sympathetic to parasympathetic and you just calm down. That's uh, my last one. I love it, mate. And like for listeners coming in, that's a total of 12 seconds, basically. 12, 16 seconds. 12, 16 seconds. And you've gone away, gone a long way to improving your well-being, particularly in that moment, which um, is super practical, Sam. Literally Mm -hmm. the easiest thing you possibly do is breathe. (laughs) Is just breathe. That's that's all you got to do. Love it. So that's my last brain tool to wrap it up. Kiz, what have you got? Take us home strong. I'm ready. And you uh, alluded to it when you talked about the idea of being a kid is that whole idea of a, a sort of media cleanse. My third one for everyone is techno- technological cleanse. Um, cleansing yourself of all the technology. Now, we can be really honest with each other. Everyone, we're cyborgs. We've got a phone glued to our hand all the time. We're so dependent upon it. Um, and I think we've got to be really mindful of the information that we consume because you could argue that we live in an era with Google where the quantity of information is huge. But the quality of information, not necessarily as good. And so as we've spoken about throughout this, we're fed so much negative information and we don't even realize it. And it plays into that idea of the negative affective bias. So to get really, really practical, um, Cal Newport, one of our, my favorite humans, um, basically the whole idea of deep work, had a few different books that's come out. He recommends a social media audit. Um, particularly. And what he basically says are three very simple questions that I'm going to pose to you, Sam, and I'm going to pose to the audience. Which apps do you use most? Which apps do you actually use the most? What do you do when you're actually on them? And what's the ROI? And that last question is, I think, huge. What's the actual ROI return on investment of you using that app? And I'm going to put my hand up and say, Instagram, for me, is such a low ROI thing, but I'm glued to it. I literally will just go through it and I'll be honest. I look at hot people, do you, Frank? And I look at famous people. I don't actively engage with it. So people may be earning money off it. I don't, but I'll spend, I looked at it, I spend about three to four hours a week on it and I'm not getting any bang for my back from that, right? So that's four hours of wasted time. And so the ROI is really low on that for me. And so I push people to understand what apps are actually giving you value, are actually making your life better. And if they aren't making your life better, out of sight, out of mind, removing them first from your phone as an app is a really crucial step. Um, using sort of app blockers like freedom and um, sort of self-control can be really useful. Um, And then, yeah, double downing on the ones that you do use. And so that's one I want to end off is just technological cleanse, uh, taking time out from it. I'm now only on Instagram was our last one. And I think I'm going to get rid of it, Sammy, I think in the next couple of weeks. Oh, big news, big news for listeners out there, Kieran uh, is an Instagram fiend, for lack of a better (laughs) word, but uh, super powerful. Yeah. Technology cleanse. You feel it too. If you've ever had a day or two where you couldn't use your phone, like for some reason, what's well, actually a brain reason, you just feel more at peace. You don't have that constant ping of dopamine and the notifications. I love it. Super practical. Super practical. Thanks, mate. So good by you. Six of the best, hopefully. <laughs> six of the best. Awesome. All right. Well, let's, um, let's wrap those six up. Uh, I'll give my, my three first and then we'll hear from yours and then we'll, uh, we'll get the show on the road. So my three for listeners, a daily gratitude practice, number one, for long-term well-being, learn to be a little kid, 
learn to play, learn to go and touch things and get outside and move your body and have fun. And number three was short term. If you're really stressed, practice some box breathing, four breaths in, hold four breaths out, four, 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 four. How about you? What's your three? My three, one, understand your stress symptoms. Actually know what happens when you're stressed and remind yourself of that so you can understand the cause. The second is find your keystone habit, that one habit that if you do every day leads to all the other habits taking place. And my final one is the technological cleanse. Which apps actually give you value in your life and make it better? If they don't make it better, see you later. If they do, obviously keep them. Love it. Super practical. And... Pareto principle, we're always going to do this at the end. 80-20, what's the, the 20% that would bring you the 80% of the results? Yeah, for me, team, I think it's that, that keystone habit, like literally yep. aligning with that. Find it, double down on it, and do everything you can and be ruthless in getting it done. Love it. For me, it's got to be the daily gratitude practice. The day I started implementing this, I just felt better from like almost all day. I smiled like a little kid. Daily gratitude practice. Rewire your brain for optimism. All right, that's all we have for you this week. Super excited uh, for the next episode, which is going to be on... Yeah, I don't know, mate. <laughs> I can't remember. It's going to be on fear. It's going to be on fear, guys. <laughs> Obviously, Kieran has done a lot of work preparing for this. <laughs> So that should be a good one. Oh, I'm the worst. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, look, we've done a lot of research, as you can. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, next time, <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us. So, two of brain tools. <laughs> See you, guys. <laughs> uh, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this tools cut of our brain tools podcast, where you got just the six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on any podcast channel you're on iTunes podcast, Spotify, and more. And if you really, really want to help us out, please leave us a review. It helps us so much to reach more people just like you. And finally, if you want to go a little bit deeper and dig into the research, see some free classes and guides, come and join our free community at braintools.mn.co. Can't wait to see you next week.